When I first stepped through the gates of the Institute, I wore the weight of the world on my shoulders. It crushed me, broke me, but my friends have pieced me back together. Now they each carry a part of Eo's dream. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hail Reaper. My name is Philip, and this is my good friend, Jeremy. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic today. Fantastic today. Fantastic today. How are you? I was just thinking about the word fantastic and like, uh, where does that come from? Um, I'm not sure, but I'm a fan <laughs> of yeah, fantastic things. That's what I was thinking. I was like, uh, you're a gen- are you a fan of tastic things? Or mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what tastic is. I don't but, know what tastic is. But I, I'd be a fan of Tasticity. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm glad you're doing well. I'm doing well as well. Great. Um, having a good lazy Saturday. Same was here. A little late to the recording session, but we're all good to go. It's all good. Looked at Brekanyaki gifts, so that was fun. Oh, man, that's true. <laughs> so uh, I shared my favorite gift of all time. If you just Google search horse flipping pancakes, you're in for a freaking treat. That is the best thing. And Mathar cleverly named that gift Brekanyaki. Yeah, we should just like randomly, when this episode drops, let's put it out on Twitter, just the GIF alone. Just the GIF? Yeah, oh, with yeah. no explanation. <laughs> you have to listen to today's episode. Right, exactly. Well, follow-up follow up tweet. You have to listen to today's episode yeah, to I understand like this. So let's talk about the reason we're all here today. The cornerstone of Hail Reaper. Nerd talk up top. Access granted. Hey, that's Hey-o. why we're here. What you got? What you got? What's your nerd talk today? <laughs> um, I think the nerdiest thing I've been doing lately is playing a ton of video games. Okay. Um, you know, my son is really into the Switch right now, mm-hmm. playing a ton of Mario Kart. He actually saved up his money. And Did you buy uh, like that big DLC that came out? The DLC? It's just like that one that has like all a bunch of new tracks and oh. stuff? No, I think he just bought the base game. It was like 60 gotcha. bucks or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, he saved it up and broke the proverbial piggy bank and and took his money and uh, bought it on Amazon. That's a crazy good buy. Oh, it was a great buy. Yeah. I, I was proud of him. Yeah. So been doing that. And then on the private side of video gaming, I actually beat Red Dead Redemption 2. Nice. The storyline, of course. I don't know that anyone can like, I'm sure that it's happened. Someone's done it, yeah. 100% completion because yeah. it does track that. I, I guarantee someone's done it, but you're going to sink stupid hours into it. Yeah. I've, I've seen that game been played. My buddy Matt during like COVID lockdown, he invited me onto a discord server and I just watched him play it while we talked. So I've seen like, I know the conclusion of the game and I know like whatever, but what was your, uh, what is your like final rating on that? Like, what would you like? You can do like a number system, like one through 10 or give me like a, uh, a through F kind of thing. Yeah, no, this is something that I was talking to another friend of ours, Steve, about and I had him buy it. He just got it. He hasn't started okay. playing it yet, but he bought it. And I told him, and I still hold this. It is the best game I've ever played. Really, number one. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so it's an A plus. It's an A plus. It's phenomenal. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I've never played it, but I've just <laughs> watched yeah. it. I mean, being every, everything about it, the side questing, um, the main storyline, just the functionality and the the interfacing, uh-huh. everything is like exquisite on yeah. it. The voiceover acting is ridiculously good. Yeah. They 
just did a perfect job to me. Yeah, it's a fun game to even watch. So I guess that it's that if it's that good to just watch, then yeah, I get it. Um, I can't rank it because I never I've never officially played yeah. it. So, but I'll let y'all go with your A plus, which is awesome. Um, I'll just sit you at my computer for 155 hours, <laughs> and then you can let me know what you think. Okay, pass. <laughs> um, nerdiest thing for me lately: comic books. I'm on a comic oh. book kick. Batman so, stuff. Yeah, always. So of the movie. Yeah, but like really what it is is like every year I go through this cycle where I kind of get back into something and being completely honest, this is kind of funny. I always, always at all times have a stack of comics on my nightstand. Hmm. They're just there. They're just like, and sometimes they rotate in and out. Right now, Omega Men by Green with the Green Lantern. Highly recommend Omega Men for a Green Lantern comic. Uh, then I have some uh, Nightwing, which is Dick Grayson, which is the original Robin from the Batman series. Uh, has his own like st- stuff, and that's awesome. And a couple Batman ones, and then also one I've yet to read, but I've had for a long time. It's like a Joker versus Superman. So versus Superman. Yeah, interesting. I've read a little bit of it. I've not finished it, but it's okay. really like it's not like a battle but it's more like almost like a mind game of like battle of ideology and stuff like that so i'm looking forward to finishing that um so i've like so i've read part of it but yeah i've never seen superman as necessarily like an intellectual (laughs) i'm not trying to get into superman right now we're not doing the superman thing because you hate superman so um anyway i want to go and take a quick break we're to come back on the other side of that break and answer the question we talked about on the first episode of the series which is called prologue what is the dream of eo been asking ourselves that question almost every episode maybe not as grand of an ask but we really want to kind of put a bow on it and finish that and give our answer so let's take a quick break we'll come back in a couple minutes and we'll figure it out if you're seeking legal counsel or in a situation that you're not sure how to handle Turingian law might just be the answer they offer a free consultation to assess your situation because not every attorney is the right professional for the job. Now, the great thing about Turingian Law is that there's no doublespeak, no confusing language, no upfront commitment. It's just a conversation with someone who wants to understand what you're going through and help you get to the next step. Getting started is easy. Call 559-627-5399 or visit turingianlaw.com. That's T-O-R-I-G-I-A-N-L-A-W.com. No matter the circumstance, we all deserve peace of mind. So stop sitting with the uncertainty and get the advice you need today. Once again, that's T-O-R-I-G-I-A-N-L-A-W.com or call 559-627-5399. Tariqian Law. The advice you need, minus the BS. Jeremy, we're back from break. Going to be talking about the dream of EO and what it is. But before we kind of dive really deep into the content aspect of it, I do want to just take a quick moment, a quick, quick moment to kind of just ask you if you have any reflections on the series so far and kind of what we've been what working on here. Yeah. And I, do, I want to go back to the prologue as well, because in it, um, you and I let the listeners know that we were going to be open-minded about this. And so that first reflection is, I'm grateful that we were. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that like we didn't know the answer to our own questions and legitimately, right? It wasn't like putting on a facade or anything. Yeah. And I appreciate our approach. It's not like a patting ourselves on the back thing. I'm just happy that I arrived at the conclusion we did on each of these episodes. Like I'm truly happy. <laughs> and, um, and we allowed the text to speak for it, it, itself instead of bringing some sort of preconceived notion or something to the text. Let Pierce Brown tell us what he thought yeah. through his writing. And which kind of really leads into the second one. And that's that in the prologue, I kind of listed like three ideas of what is the dream of EO, right? Mm -hmm. 
And the first one I listed was that it's just simply exactly what EOS says, right? I, li- I dream of a world where my children can be born free, where they can do what they want and they can own the land that their fathers gave them. Mm-hmm. And it's just this very simple, beautiful, and a word we've been using like throughout this series, a delicate idea of liberty. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it that? The second one was Darrow. Like, is the dream of EO Darrow? Because he certainly... I'm smiling. I'm sorry. Well, you love Darrow. Yeah. He certainly espouses that, right? I mean, he goes through absolutely in books one and two, you know, but I think you can see those themes throughout the entirety of the first trilogy where Darrow sees himself as the dream. Yeah. The first two books, he's really heavy on that. Mm-hmm. He's like really telling you, the reader, like, I'm the dream. And it's like, or you'll, you'll use rhetoric to like kind of start to establish that he is or he thinks he is. Yeah, exactly. Or dancer or other characters will call him a dream keeper. So there's definitely some evidence that that could be one of them, right? Mm -hmm. And then the third one is this idea of a spectrum that society views it along. And that idea is just that, you know, different levels of oppression inside of a caste system and each color has their own experiences that they can bring to the table. So it's like, can they identify the dream through their experiences and sort of define it as they are. And then this conglomerate definition kind of leads toward goodness, so to speak. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about each of those things. You know, I want to touch on them because I think they're essential because this is like the the prism in which we viewed, like the idea of what is the dream of you trying to answer that question for ourselves mm-hmm. and then having the listeners even help shape that too, you know, and I, I wanted to, I want to wrestle with that with you. So let's go to that last one you mentioned you said the spectrum, which is the one that we attached ourselves to in that prologue mm-hmm. episode. We said that feels right. Let's see if we arrive there. Cause again, we were kind of coming to open-minded because I, I was, I felt though in my heart of hearts that that was going to be where we landed. Right. I was like pretty sure of it. Like, of course, nothing's going to deviate from this, but why don't you go and kind of explain uh, your thoughts on that one now? Yeah. And I think the listeners will understand given that they've probably listened to the previous episodes that this is not ultimately where we landed. But it turned out to be exactly, strangely, the opposite of what we thought. Yeah. <laughs> because <clears throat> we didn't bring the definition, right? And that's what we're saying, like, you know, can a given color define what liberty is, a, a good, honest, righteous version of liberty for themselves? Or is there a truth out there, an inherent truth that needs to be discovered, right? That that Pierce wrote into the text. And each time, you know, we have, for example like the three dominant ones that stand out to me as, as a great analogy for this are rage, strength, and honor. I mean, there are plenty of accounts in historic kind of circumstance where a character or, or a leader somewhere in the world had a ton of charisma, right? Yeah. And they felt like they were doing an honorable thing. And by charisma, I mean strong leader, right? Yeah. That's, a, that's that definition of strong. And then of course they had rage, I mean, yeah, plenty of times where they had rage, right? But none of it was directed at the right place. They used those opposite kind of definitions that you and I kind of went back and forth about. And ultimately, they created devastation and complete harm. And it's like, that can't be the dream of EO. So we're not allowed to just go and throw definitions around and just make yeah. it our own thing. Like there's, there's something to discover out there. A spectrum, because that if you do that, it allows an individual to define something where we believe that Pierce defined it for us, right? So we can't just like, you can't just like, it's not choose your own adventure. Yep. So let's pivot to number two. I, I smiled at this one um, earlier. <laughs> I was like, you know, uh, Darrow is the dream keeper. I smiled because 
it just seems silly now, but I want you to go ahead and kind of talk about it more. Yeah. So once, you know, like you said, at first, I also leaned toward this spectrum idea. Mm-hmm. Um, choose your own adventure. I like how you put that. <laughs> the nerd talk, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think in the middle, um, and I haven't talked to you about this, but like I felt that I was actually leaning toward Darrow mm-hmm. in the middle. I felt that like, you know, certainly, you know, this idea of the dream has to reach everybody. It has to go out and and disseminate amongst society. And how does that happen? It is Darrow, right? Darrow is the dream keeper. And he goes out and, I mean, creates war, creates havoc, but kind of plants all these little seeds all around as he goes. Yeah. But the more and more we went along, I think that idea broke down. And I understood that, like, the dream is an actual something, mm-hmm. you know? It's, an, it's that idea, again, of liberty. And... Darrow is simply a vehicle or a vessel is, is where I landed personally is that, you know, that does have to be taken somewhere. Then it does have to be delivered, so to speak, but that doesn't make the delivery driver the object, you know, yeah. it, it's simply that, and, and that's not to take away from Darrow because he's pivotal. Like without mm-hmm. him, this wouldn't have happened. I mean, you make a case in the future, but let's not do that. Yeah. We're not, um, but He's pivotal to the story. He he is the reason that liberty is spread throughout the society and takes root and starts to just tear down oppression. But that doesn't make him the dream. Yeah, exactly. And that's funny because like you go back and look at Darrow's storyline. He's like very happy to be a hell diver, very happy to be the hotshot kind of in this clan. Um, and his wife just essentially says, nope, you're taking this and you're running with it. She gave birth to it. It's her dream but she kind of thrust it upon uh, in his lap and he had no choice. The, the, essentially, what I think, I think we kind of talked about this, but the story just kind of swallowed him up. You know, it just like he had no options. He tried to kill himself. He tried to kill himself and Nero, you know, fed him the hemanthus oil and he's still alive. Like they, he couldn't escape this. Like he had to do this. This is his only option is to be a vehicle of the dream and like the driver but not necessarily the dream himself as much as he liked to think that as much as he liked to tell us that throughout the first, especially the first two books. Cause I believe that in chapter 35 of morning star, he has that conversation. We talked about, I believe in the rage episode with, you know, with, uh, with several, and he says, we're the light and we're spreading. He uses a pluralistic idea of that. He doesn't say I'm the dream and I'm spreading. He says, we are that. And so, but even then, that still, they're still being drivers. They're not being the dream. Because again, the question, the thesis, the idea, what is the dream of EO? So the last one we're here, like we, we talked about all the, these other two ideas, but the other idea or the other proposal, the last proposal was, is the dream of EO simply her own words? The words in chapter four in the garden, when she tells her husband, I live for the dream. I live for a dream that my children would be born free, that they will be what they like, that they will own the lands their father gave them. What do you think? This is ultimately where I land. You mm-hmm. know, and I've used the word a couple times, but this to me, <clears throat> if you think about it, it's it's just liberty. And um, liberty is something that especially like if you look at like 18th century sort of world, there has been countless revolts. I mean, there's 
the Haitian Revolution, the French Revolution, the Russian Revolution, the American Revolution, all based on this idea of liberty from things like slavery, from things like serfdom, right, and, and other oppressions. And it's like, it's this kind of virus, you know, a mm. contagion almost. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean it in the most positive way possible. But once it infects a people, once it spreads, as you see Darrow kind of being that, that agent of spread, it doesn't stop. It never does. And that's what we saw in the 18th century. And I think that's what Pierce is bringing to this story, this concept that that liberty is now out there and eventually, and, and we see, we're not going to tease this, but eventually it goes into the second uh, trilogy and you, and you just can see that continuation yeah. of that spread and what it does. And I, I think that in its simplicity and its delicacy, as, as we use the word in this series, uh, it, it's like a seed, right? And, and here's my analogy. I'm going to do go. it. <laughs> but it, 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 and I, I like the analogy of a bonsai tree. Um, so you, you plant the seed and it's a perfect organism. It grows up, but it requires a certain shape, right? And if you allow it to grow on its own, just like a delicate concept like liberty, it can get distorted. It can get perverted very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so you have this idea that there are these other dream keepers. And to go back to like why I don't think it's Darrow, Darrow, again, I'm going to double down on what I've already said a few times throughout the series. He never sat Pax on his lap and said, it's me, <laughs> you yeah. know? So I think, I think just like I had the journey of kind of growing out of it being him, I think he did too. I think you can see that, that chronological kind of progression through the story with Darrow. But ultimately, it's his friends that he describes when he's sitting packs on his lap. Mm -hmm. It's Ragnar, it's Victra and company that essentially have these shears, right? And they're, they're trimming and shaping the bonsai tree and not allowing it to get overgrown, not allowing it to get distorted out of the figure that is correct and right. Yeah. And not to get too deep in our own word picture, but I love that. Um, and I can just see, like I was having a mental image of like, just like Victra holding up her like loyalty trimmers and mm -hmm. maybe making sure it was shaped the right way or Severo doing the same with his love trimmers and making sure that they're all kind of collectively shaping that bonsai tree to make it look like liberty, make it look perfect make it hold the kind of health uh, the picture of health and you know i so i think they they there's a symbiotic where like that last moment in morning star when darrow takes pax on his knee and tells him of the rage of aries and you know the strength of ragnar and all these things it, it, it does echo this moment that goes back to chapter four that the young girl, 16 year old girl says i live for the dream that i'll be born free and that my you know my uh, they can be what they like especially that they can be what they like. They can be what Fitchner couldn't be, you know, he couldn't, or they can be what all the countless people couldn't be, whether it was like a blue that wanted to be, you know, uh, a restaurateur mm -hmm. or like, or whatever, you know, like whatever it is, like, because yeah, they're forced to be pilots. But also with the arrival of this, because I completely agree with you, the dream of Eo is as simple as her just saying, I live for this dream. I live for this dream of liberty. I was so bored by that. And I was so upset that I got there with you. Um, I think we arrived in this at different points. I think you were a little early on this. I had to like really think about it and wrestle with it. And I almost didn't want to pick it. I had this moment and I didn't uh, call it up. I, I should have thought about this a little bit more, but um, here, here we go. There's a moment in Morningstar where you have, I believe it's um, Darrow and all his homies are about to go and 
they're going to go, I think it's, they're going to go fight with on, uh, in the war with, uh, excuse me, fight in the war with Romulus mm. against Roke. And so I believe that's where it's at. I could be wrong, but they all aboard their shuttles. And, um, there's a moment where Darrow and Dancer have like, they're exchanging words and they're telling each other they love each other. It's really, it's really like emotional. I think it's a very moving component. And what happens is that Darrow's about to board a ship. Dancer yells out, Helldiver! And then, of course, Daryl instinctually turns around, balls up a fist, raises it high in the air. Tons of other people, like, you know, all the all these colors are doing it alongside of Dancer. And it's just like this awe moment. It's just so, wow, like, look at this unification. Look at this, look at this idea of this melding of all these people coming together to stand in the face of oppression for liberty. And I thought that was the dream of EO. Hmm. And I really wanted it to be. I wanted that moment to be the dream of EO. But going back to what you said about Dancer, or excuse me, Darrow, that's the vehicle. Mm-hmm. It's not the dream itself. The dream itself is so much more simple and so much more organic. And it's, what it is, is it's a, it's a young girl with the gall and the bravery to say these words and then tell her husband that she he needs to follow in her, in her place, which is like, or in, in behind her, just incredible. It's like absolutely incredible. <laughs> and like you, you, you said this right now, you said that like you kind of wanted to keep it at arm's length. And I, I had a similar feeling, uh, mm-hmm. especially in the prologue, because it seems anticlimactic, anticlimactic, if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. a bit boring even because A, it, it, it is a very simple concept and B, Eo just says it <laughs> pretty yeah. quick into the book, right? So, um, and just like those revolutions, right, of the 1800s, you have these um, kind of thinkers, the John Locke's and the Montesquieu's that really um, kind of imparted a lot of vision onto some of the drafters of said constitutions that went into these various countries after they revolted. And, um, but who's reading those? I mean, only kids and, or rather probably young adults that are doing that for school. Yeah, you know, like exactly. Students. Yeah. I'm sure Pierce would read it because he's deep into history. Yeah, and, he's super and, history buff. And likes that. And I'm weird enough to maybe read some John Locke. <laughs> but the majority, the layman is not going to read it because it kind of is a boring slog to get through. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that the ideas aren't beautiful. Yeah. You know, and, and I think Pierce has this deep understanding of history and he took these ideas, these philosophical concepts um, and he was able to package them into Persephone. Mm -hmm. And I go way back to like, I think season one. Now I didn't actually have this like fully vetted out, but I said that she was a different person. Yeah. You said the two were not one of the EO and Persephone were two completely separate people. Yeah. And I had an inkling and it's like, I kind of have reaffirmed or strengthened my view on that. And I think my comp was like X-Men uh, Rise of the Phoenix series. Yeah, Jean Grey. Yeah. and Good pull. But that's kind of what it is. You know, Io goes to the grave and her soul, right, which is Persephone, which is a stand-in, I think, for liberty. Yeah. Is what Pierce uses because people are more endeared to vehicles. It's kind of like the the... Uh, emotion that you had behind the scene that you described. Mm -hmm. It's like people can be way more endeared to the vehicle. So Pierce understands that and he actually makes the vehicle a central point instead of the philosophical philosophical concept. Yeah. I remember um, there's this moment 
where you're in the you're in a transport with Victra and Darrow on the way to meet the Jackal at the beginning of Golden Sun. It's the first time they meet. I believe it's like chapter like 10 or 11 at like where they go to the Lost Wee Den. And you see that Darrow is looking out the window of the transport and you see like he looks out and sees EO, you know, for, for him, EO spray painted on the side of a wall. And, but for everyone else in the world, that's Persephone. Mm. That's not EO, like how many people knew EO? Like uh, a few hundred people in Lycos at most, right? Yeah. They don't know who that person is, but they see that person as like, or basically her, her character as um, is a standard for liberty. And they spray paint it on walls to say, this is what I align with. This is what I agree with. And they're telling the powers that be even all the way down the slums on Luna that this is what we stand for. This is what we want. This is what we are, are reaching for and it's not until you get that character persephone which is like uh, you're always haunting the story mm. persephone is on every single page of these books every single one and i never realized that until recently she's not mentioned of course um she's not talked about even there's whole chapters there's swaths of books where persephone or eo or whatever how you want to say that or lady liberty are in uh in like the it said you know certain chapters but the ideas are in competition all the time. The idea of liberty is in competition all the time. It's, you know, there's Darrow fighting for it along with all his friends. They're the ones that are the people that are shaping that bonsai tree. And there's people that are working actively against it. And so it's like this thing that kind of just is haunting the story at all times. It's like, so Persephone is so central and so important. And, and Eo in turn is also equally as important and equally as is amazing, honestly. I, I, I still, like, I'm finding out now in real time just how much respect I have for EO. Like, just being a 16-year-old, having the I, had the ability to see all this and to kind of feel it all when all these other Reds and even her own, like, world and for how small it is, don't even understand what she understands. And she's able to speak this. She's able to act on that, on what she speaks and then she's able to hand it off and you know give Daryl the keys to that vehicle that he needs to drive. Yeah, and, and this journey, this conversation that we're having, I think for me, has allowed me to go back to book one, right? The the OG Red Rising, and actually look at it with new eyes because um, we often will look at Morningstar or Dark Age, and we glean so much from that. I think. Part of that is because they're amazing, but but another part is that we see Pierce clearly develop in skill over time and get and become a better author. But even back in book one, when it all starts, often overlooked in inside the first four chapters, mm-hmm. like how much richness and depth have we just realized is there that that I passed over? Yeah, like 100%. really quickly. Tons on, of readers on my first countless reads of that mm-hmm. book. You yeah. know. You're ready, you're ready to jump in the car with Darrow and go on that journey, but you're not necessarily, you have to have patience. You have to have understanding. I want to, I want to go to a quote that just, uh, popped up. Um, my favorite quote in the entire series. Um, there's a lot of them. I say that probably about all, you know, I, I have like five, I have like 20 favorite top five favorite quotes in this, in this series, but in all seriousness, I do have a, a definitive number one and it's by Nero Augustus of all people. And he says, steel is power. Money is power. But of all the things in all the world's words are power. Mm. And you see this young, amazing woman use that exact power 
and she uses her words and she becomes something bigger. She like she doesn't have a sword, she doesn't have money, she doesn't have infrastructure, but she has something so much you you use this I like that imagery too. Uh it's like a it, I it's kind of weird in this day and age to use the term virus, but we're, we're I know what you mean. So we're yeah. <laughs> like so but it becomes this virus and it just infects and becomes this contagion. It starts with her. So the mm-hmm. dream of Eo is in fact Eo and her words are simple idea that she voices to her husband in a very private moment of and to us readers as liberty and that's just it that's what the dream of eo is it's and it's so boring at time in, in a way in a way but it's also so beautiful in another way yeah and and like you're saying you have to get you know the contagion can't be stopped right mm. you can't put the genie back in the bottle you can't unring the bell all the other uh idioms out there for that uh, it, it all says the same thing, right? And that's what Nero says. And that's what you so, so appreciate about that is that words are power. Mm-hmm. And this beautiful young girl just speaks these words. And then it's just a tidal wave yeah, that just buries and just destroys everything in its path. And luckily that's society. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, let's go ahead and do another thing here. Before oh, we wrap okay. up, we got, we got another topic because this is, this is something that I have like a third reflection. I had a circle on this one. All right. Um, it was actually in the first draft of the first episode, but it got moved to the last episode. So again, this went through various drafts. Um, you know, you and like our, the three of us went through various drafts of what the dream video was. Cause at first it was called the morning star event. You know, it was like, it just, cause we we're just going to talk strictly about morning star. And then we realized you have to kick it open. You have to go all three books to get like the true end point. But I remember on that first version, when it was like the Morningstar event, I believe, I uh, had this, uh, I jotted down this thought and asking it to talk about was, is the dream realized by the end of the third book? And Pierce Brown's Morningstar, and that la- when that last sentence is completed, you know, put the period, done, close up the book, do you think the dream of EO is realized? Yes. And I know that there might be some heat out there, right? That could be conceived as like a a hot take or something, but I truly believe it's a yes. Now I will put an asterisk on that to be fair. Uh, And we can talk about that, like maybe after you answer and give me your perspective, but like as as an idea, as a seed that gets planted or a tidal wave or that contagion that is kind of unbottled, you know, that's what liberty is. And it brings about revolution. It brings about freedom and certainly that has happened here. Certainly that has been put into play. And for that reason, I would say absolutely yes. Yeah. I would say this, um, realized, hell yeah, it was realized. It's there. It's, you can, you can literally see it on those pages. Like, mm-hmm. um, you can see like that, again, that bonsai tree. I, I feel like, I feel like it should, we should have a bonsai tree sitting right here in this table right now. So either way, um, it's, you know, it's been shaped and cared for and nurtured to stand right and stand true you know, that bonsai tree being liberty mm-hmm. and, but it's shaped by all those, like all those other, like, you know, like by honor and justice and uh, by, you know, strength and altruism, all those things that we talked about throughout the course of those other five episodes. But when I say this, is it achieved? Hell no, it's not achieved. Um, I'll say, I'll also say this. I don't think it ever will be. Mm. I don't think it's going to be achieved by the end. It wasn't achieved by the end of Morningstar. And I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I, most people I know listen, have listened, or excuse me, have read books four and five, but this isn't a spoiler if, in just in case, but I am going to jump ahead a little bit. I don't think it's going to be achieved at the end of book six either. 
No. I don't think the dream of EO is going to be in full effect because that would basically say, that would literally be roll credits and they lived happily ever after if that was the case. But the thing about that is that it's just, that's just not real life. That's not the world that Pierce Brown created. How do we understand this world so well? We do. We understand it really easily. This is thousands of years in the future with tech that we can't even comprehend. It took me so long to wrap my brain around what a, what an HC was. I was like, what's an HC? Like, it's just like, it's a TV screen. I kind of get that, but it can do all this stuff. And like, what's a hollow cube? And what's a, what's a rip wing? And I just, I didn't understand that. But I also understand that that is very secondary and probably peripheral because it's just, it's just the world that this takes place in. But the ideas that take place in these book and the people that take place in this book are really grounded. And I feel like I know them and I can relate to them on tons of levels because it feels like my world in a lot of ways. It feels like our world. And ideas like liberty will always need defending, mm-hmm. always. You can't, you can't bring forth utopia with a takeover. All, like all the time, you mentioned different like revolutions that happened, whether it was America or whether it was China or whether whatever it was, when was that, when did it happen where just a pure utopia blossomed out of that? Never. Never. Yeah. That's just not what the world is. The, like the world is always going to need people to defend good, beautiful things. Mm-hmm. And so it might not always be Victra. It might not always be Cassius, you know, trimming that bonsai tree, but it's going to be other people and it's going to be, and it's going to need other people to do that. And so like, even if book six ends and it ends in a really happy manner, which I assume it will end in a fairly happy manner. I just, it's an assumption. I could be completely wrong, <laughs> but I think about that world taking place long after book six, something else will rise up and want to threaten what is there in that place, because that's what we've seen. Our world is our world is that same way. Like something threatens freedom, something threatens liberty, something is there to oppress and, and, and put people in slavery and hurt people. Someone's always, there's always someone, there's always some people that need to, in Fitcher's words, need to throw themselves on the gears to stop oppression. And so I imagine that that will happen for eternity in this world. And in the same way that it's going to happen for eternity in our world, I believe, I, I, I believe that there's always going to be a contention like that. So it's never going to be in my mind, the dream of you, rather, is not achieved, but it's there. It's it's palpable. It's present, and people are fighting for it, and people gave their lives for it, and it's working. But it will always need work. It will never not need work. Yeah, <clears throat> your asterisk is the same as mine, and I'm happy of that. Yeah, and I agree with you. Like that's some of the beauty of Pierce's writing. He he's not writing Cinderella where the prince and princess live happily ever after in the kingdom because yeah. and that's also super insular that's just two people you know and it is yeah. but but the neighboring kingdoms is going to come and like create havoc and warfare mm-hmm. it's just real you know and, and pierce instead of writing the fairy tale has decided to give us a real world scenario and like you said like how do you identify with high like high sci-fi so well it's because it's rooted in history it's rooted in what will always repeat itself over and over. Mm-hmm. And in that same way, like are the basic tenets of what EO espouses, did they come true? Yes. But as we see it unfold, and again, not spoilers, but I mean, invoke the name of Lyria, just look how book uh, four opens. Yeah. You're like, Ugh. what a disaster, right? Yeah. And it's like, 
is it better than what they were facing? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> right? Question mark. But, but it's, it's a mess, right? Yeah. And liberty has historically been a mess. Mm-hmm. But it's better than slavery. It's better than oppression. It's, and, you know, you always have to fight to make progress into what's going. And, and again, to go back to that analogy, that tree is always going to grow into a misshapen form. And somebody at some time has to come back um, and, and give that thing a trim and reshape it into what it's proper and what is righteous. Largely how I view the story now, uh, this is like my kind of new focus on the story is that Pierce Brown is telling us, the readers, that good ideas, like especially an idea like liberty, it's more than a good idea, but you know what I'm saying, is always worth fighting for. Mm. Like that's, that's how I see this story. And that fight is ugly. That fight is, war is not a good thing for people, for humans. It's not, it's, it, it's a terrible thing on any level. Um, but there are things that are worth war, you know, like, like, you know, like this. And it's just something that you have to push through and it's going to take a lot of devastation. And it even, even on Darrow's side, he makes tons of mistakes. He missteps like in, in the name of Liberty, he does awful things even, you know, but he's still doing it and he's still pushing forward. And, um, you know, I don't absolve him from those things, but it's just worth being in that fray for. That's just how I see the story a lot now. How about you? Do you see the story differently? Do you see it like as something that new because of this series? Yeah. I, I liked your talk about Persephone haunting the story. And I think when that idea comes into it, you see the fingerprints of Persephone throughout. And I, I think once you see it, it's hard to unsee. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably mostly what I've taken away is, is it probably a perspective change maybe on, mm-hmm. on the book series? Yeah, it's a totally new perspective. It's a, it's a new light. It's a new way of looking at it. And that's it. That's Germivio. That is what we think of it. And it's, it's, a, it's simple. It's elegant. And it's infectious. And I really hope that all of us listening um, and all of us learning, because we're, we're learning too, you know, like that you take away from this and you feel, this, feel at least part of the same, like as we do. And, and you don't have to. But I, you know, I just feel like that's such a, what an important thing to, to talk about is the idea of liberty, especially in a day and age where we see in our real world, like that being very much threatened in, in the other side of the world. And we need to protect those things and do what we, we can as best we can to, to make sure that we can protect liberty. And even if it's not affecting us directly, but affecting other people that are being oppressed. Yeah, no, well said. And I think in, in, kind of my closing thoughts toward the whole series that we just did is, is just gratitude, um, gratitude to Mathar, gratitude to you, uh, just for being open-minded for, for the, the approach, for allowing ourselves to learn. And it's not a pat on the back. This is like, like I'm, I'm happy <laughs> that, that I was wrong and, and was able to, yeah. to kind of see something else that I, I think Pierce Brown was trying to tell us. And, and I'm also grateful for the listeners because, they went on this journey with us, right? And, and I imagine the majority of them at least came to it just as open-minded as we were. And I hope that we can, iron sharpens iron, right? And I hope we can all be better for it. Mm-hmm. Well said. Thank you so much for listening to our series on the Dream of EO. Um, had a blast. Want to shout out a few people. Shout out again, Mathar. Shout out uh, you, Jeremy. Shout out Janelle. 
shout out to a lot of like all our patrons and just thank you for giving us like your all your patience for us to to do this and i know we informed you guys a lot like in our little like uh, verbal newsletters and kind of give you guys little nuggets but you guys were so patient and i know that you wanted this out and but i'm just really thankful you guys give us the time to let this mature i wanted them out for you i wanted i wanted to share everything with you guys so fast but thank you for being patient thank you for going on this ride with us we really appreciate you all of you so incredibly much thank you um for listening and thank you for being a part of this journey with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You want to sign us out? Yeah, let's sign up. Okay. Until next time. Hail Reaper. Hail Reaper, everyone. Hail Reaper is produced by Philip, known as Oracle, Jeremy, known as Checkmate, and Matha, known as Broadcast. It's beamed to you across the airwaves all the way from Deep Grave Studios. Our intro theme was composed by Matha. The track you're hearing now is Grey by Sahab. Our broadcast visuals were created by the amazing Leslie Ray. Thanks to Pierce Brown for creating this universe, and thanks to all the contributors who make this show possible. Dream of EO never would have happened without the support of some gory damn fine howlers. They're all part of our incredible Patreon community, where we issue monthly bonus content, exclusive artwork, and hang about with the rest of the pack over on Discord. Visit patreon.com slash hellreaper to learn more. If you enjoy what you hear, please take a moment to rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube for updates, giveaways, and more. The Dream of EO is a seven-part limited series. But if that's not enough, we host a companion show called Beyond the Veil, which will air live on our YouTube channel every other Monday during its initial run. It's a peek behind the curtain at what goes into making the show and what it takes to build a community online. You can send your burning questions about the series to hellreaperpod at gmail.com with the subject line, Beyond the Veil. This is Broadcast, signing off. Until next time, hail the gory damn reaper.